Welcome everyone to Bridging the Gap podcast. I'm Andrea Marciano. And I'm Anthony Avila. And welcome to today's topic of food insecurity. So what are we going to be doing today, Anthony? So today we're going to be giving an introduction to a the upcoming series of podcasts that we are relating to food insecurity. And we're just going to find different topics that are, or different information that these people can give us in the interviews that relate to health disparities and the work that they do in their community. And basically just find out more information and see how we can apply it. All right. So our first step, or the first thing we wanted to try out is this kind of online game called Spent. So the idea behind Spent is um, you're kind of being placed into the shoes of someone who's living paycheck to paycheck and kind of dealing with difficult scenarios. I think Anthony and I played this game in the past and we were both so surprised about how hard it was to choose kind of quote unquote the right decision. But let's go ahead and give it a shot. I'm gonna go ahead and share my screen or do you wanna share your screen? I can share my screen, that works out. Okay. But no, definitely I recommend um, anybody that has not played this game before or heard of it to definitely give it a try. I think it's a game that is worthwhile and it definitely, it, we are not in these predicaments like the game puts you in in real life, and or at least most of us, I would say, are are not. And it's interesting to see the choices that these people have to make. Savings are gone. You've lost your house. You're down to your last thousand dollars. So I think we start off with a thousand dollars, and we're just gonna see if we can make it through the next month. Can you make it to the next month with a thousand dollars with, you know, choosing the right job, the right choices, but let's see how we do. We can work in a warehouse for $9 an hour. See, that's pretty taxing on the body. Um, right. But remember one thing that I was looking at from the first time I played this game is look about the amount of times you can, like the hours you can work. So you see for this one, it says join your team through Tuesday through Friday, but only three hours yeah, that doesn't seem that appealing. And then this one, the hours vary, so you don't even know how many hours you're working, even right. though $9 an hour is great. Maybe we want to do the warehouse work. See, in my, like, personally, and not a lot of people agree with this, is I would honestly choose the warehouse job just because in my eyes, I see it as, like, a double whammy because you're getting paid and you're able to exercise. And, I, I mean, obviously, it, it can be, it can be ta taxing on the body physically, so maybe if I was in their position to be a little different, but here for the hours, I think I'd go with that warehouse. So yeah, that's the exact same one that I did. Honestly, because of that, the, you know, that thought process of something that's stable, something that I know how much I'm being paid per hour and how many hours I'm going to be working. All right, now we got to choose our health insurance. The better it is, the more expensive it is, but the more secure we are when it comes to medical um, trips to the hospital. Right. So I think, you know, especially this, it forces you to think about what's important to you. I think health is really, really important, but, you know, do we spend all our money on healthcare? What do we have left to, to eat, to sustain ourselves? You know, food. It'll yeah. determine, you know, what food I guess we can buy later. There's a lot of different things we need to consider. I would personally just go with the silver plan. I don't know. What do you think? That's exactly what I think. I'm kind of a middle of the road person. Um, cause you don't want to go to the extreme and opt out cause you can get into a medical crisis and then one, you're paying money so that you're not in an insurance plan and you're going to have to pay all that money when you actually have to go to the doctor. 
Mm-hmm. And you don't have a copay. Yeah. So let's do so so like kind of long term versus short term or short term versus long term. Yeah. So two hundred sixty eight dollars a month, twenty five dollar copay, sixty five dollars a paycheck. It's a lot of money, especially once we're only making what three hundred dollars. Three hundred nine dollars a week. So we need to find a place to live. The further we live, the but look at our travel travel costs. Our travel costs also decrease. Also decrease. Yeah. Six six seven sixty. So if we the further the further we live, we can save. We do ninety five dollars if we live further. But that also means that we are very dependent on travel. If we're using our car, then we're very dependent on our car. I mean, if we're if we're living fifty miles from work, most likely using a car. So I would probably. I don't know. What do you think? I once again, I'm a middle of the road kind of person. I think either middle, like in the middle, or we should say closer to work. I know that's going to be a little bit more expensive, but it's worth it. Yeah, especially if your car breaks down. Like, what are you going to do? All right, let's do that. We're paying eight twenty-five for rent and travel costs. That's almost all of our thousand dollars. Yeah, that's pretty. Hmm, So this one says. You chose to live farther away from your job, so your rent is lower, but your gas costs are higher. In fact, for every dollar a working family saves on housing, they spent an additional 77 cents on transportation. Yeah, mm-hmm. transportation. That's, you know, it's something that I feel like that we don't think about. So yeah. I'm glad this thing brought it up. And health disparities as well. I think that, that's also a big thing in Gainesville, where the University of Florida is located. I know they were doing a large push for more public transportation you know, because there's a lot of people that can't even get around the city, can't even get to to see their doctor on time, things like that. I think one of the pushes they actually had specifically was free K through 12 fare. So, but isn't that the same thing as taking a bus, like taking buses to school? Like a yeah, but it wasn't just for school though. Okay. So they were talking about like public transportation, like RTS. Oh, interesting. Okay, I but know then- one of the barriers to care specifically is when you're told to go to a doctor but there's no way to get to the doctor because there's no bus stops by the doctor, which I think, I don't know a lot about how other how other counties are set up. I know that Gainesville, there's a lot of places, like, you know, that you can, like, there's so many bus, bus stops everywhere. Like, for example, where I live, if you don't have a car, you can't go anywhere. It's crazy. Like, there's no, there's no buses. There's no public transportation. I don't know if it's like that where you live. It's kind of scary. No, yeah. about- I agree with you in a sense for Gainesville they do make students comfortable mm-hmm. but what i'm talking about is more of like the people that live in gainesville that aren't students so like there's not a lot of public transportation for those people like gainesville is very built and geared toward mm-hmm. comfort of students but we have to also invest in the people that live there too and provide i mean even create the economy that we have there you know so can kids on the northeast side of gainesville get to school or get to practice you know, can they get home safely? Can they, can their mom make sure that they're getting home? You know, like things like that. Instead of getting a 22 year old male that goes to the University of Florida, but I think both are. All right, so let's keep going. Uh, okay, so your new apartment is too small for your stuff. What do you want to do? You know, yard sale, make some money, or we can keep our stuff and rent a storage unit for $45 a month. I mean, looking about how much money we have, I think, I think yard sale. What do you think? I think so too. Yeah. I mean, if you have stuff and you don't need it. All right, 150. Okay. Cool. You've been putting off doing laundry for weeks because you don't have a washer or dryer. What do you want to do? Should we wear dirty clothes or should we go to the laundromat? So my thought process through this is, and I think this once again goes back to the basics, you know, of what, what we just need as humans. If we wear dirty clothes to work, and if work doesn't like the fact that we're having the clothes that aren't appropriate, could they basically send us home? 
could that, you know, cause us to have problems with friends? You know, they're like, you know, why aren't your clothes clean? Or maybe there's a lot of other people in, you know, their their same situation. Yeah, so I would good. say go to a laundromat. And I think maybe that's just because it's like, I just, I can't imagine a world where I don't have clean clothes. I mean, albeit, you know, before the, before exams or after exams, uh, you know, at UF, but I think clean clothes are very important. No, yeah, I think it's, I mean, the point you brought up is, is really good. Your child has been identified as gifted and invited to the school's gifted program. Materials for the course cost $50. So do we want to send our kid to the gifted program or do we want to decline the opportunity because, or we, we can apply for a scholarship actually. Yeah, so I think maybe we should go for the third op the you know the third mill option. If we get the scholarship, great. If we don't, we'll see what happens. All right, wait, what day are we on? We're on day six. All right, we gotta pick it up a little bit. Scholarship, you have to meet a counselor in person, which will cost you half a day of work and earn your job strike. I didn't even think of that. Wow. Yeah, if you want to go advocate for your kid, and you have to take out from take you know take off from work to do so, then. Hmm. Okay, your child wants to join an after school sports team, which requires a physical and uniform. My kid has to play on the, on the sports team. I'm sorry. Yeah. I know that you're very into the importance of, you know, physical activity. Yeah, he has to. He has to play there. Your best friend from childhood is getting married, and they want you to be in the wedding. The only problem is it's in another state. Um, let's definitely not go. We don't have the money. We're going to go bankrupt. We don't have the money, yeah. <laughs> so right now we're at $245. All right. Your child comes home in tears and threatens to stop eating lunch because other kids made fun of all the free lunch kids. What do you want to do? Um, I mean... Wow. I just, I think they should just eat the free lunch at school. No, but obviously it's not an option. Not to eat it. What? So we, our kid is telling us that because he's being made fun of because he eats free lunch, he's threatening not to eat the food so he doesn't get made fun of. But Imagine. it's, it's three dollars no, a day. Well, you know, five. That's fifteen dollars a week. Yeah. Do you risk him going hungry? I'm, I'm wondering in this scenario. Obviously, this is, you know, this kind of goes a little bit beyond. But is the free lunch that they give is it sufficient? To fulfill the kids' needs in terms of hunger, it is. I feel like there has to be some monitoring of that kind of stuff. Like, is it? They're definitely paying attention if it's sufficient. Is it going to be healthy? Is it going to be the best, the good food? Probably not, but at least it's 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 going right, to be. Let's have lunch money. We're about yeah, to let's do it. Let's just see what happens. Okay, yeah, we got money. Uh, we can pay them both. You can only pay one. Okay. Or both. We could pay both. So do we want gas or do we want electricity? Hopefully we have an electric oven. Let's do both. Let's get it checked out. Okay, let's do it. Going to the doctor is really important. Yeah, we got some heart problems. All right, the doctor says you're fine since you opted in for health insurance. You only have to pay $25. Awesome. Okay. That's not too bad. The local community college is offering an online course in computer science, which could be your ticket to a higher paycheck, but the class costs $200. I mean, right now we go broke since we have $143, but I think we can definitely do it next semester. Yeah, if we save up, hopefully we can. Okay, life throws curveballs and so does a kid on your block. He shattered your window and your landlord insists you pay $100 to fix it. Oof. So I kind of like the option of get legal help, but how much is that going to cost? <laughs> I honestly didn't even pay attention to that option. <laughs> Let's find out. Oof. Oh man, so is that a second strike? 
Oh wow. So not only do you get charged for not having enough money, oh at least we didn't we didn't get a strike on our job, but yeah. no, we we don't have money to pay pay the lotto. We need to try to make it to the next week. That's a good point. So investing in the lotto for if you're in a predicament like this could be a could be the best investment possible, really. Because you can't really invest. I feel like there's such a low chance that, you know, I guess, wouldn't it be better to put it in your 401k? Yeah, but, like, what other chances do you have? You said put it, put it in your 401k? Yeah, so it says, yeah. Um, it says it may seem like a waste of money, but for those people like you who have no 401k or savings account, it could look like an investment in a better, in, in a better future. So, so maybe yeah. their job doesn't offer a 401k. All right, well, let's continue. All right, so we're buying food for the next half of the month. Apples are pretty expensive. Let's do some beans. Yeah, I know a lot of canned food is usually a lot cheaper. Yeah, let's do some carrots. And technically, each can can last has three point five servings, so that'll last us for about a week. Let's do some bread. Carb load. I guess we could do some, some eggs for protein. What about some chicken? Seven dollars. But it's three pounds. I think that'll last us two meals. I think a pound mm -hmm. and a half is per person. Wow! Look at this. Right, right up our alley for the topic of today. Almost 15% of American households had a hard time getting enough to eat at some point during 2012. Hmm. It makes you really think, especially, especially now, you know, with COVID-19 and you see all the food, the food, the food bank lines, it makes you realize how many people are, you know, are actually working paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. No, that's tough. I was, I, I, um, I think I told you how I'm replacing the, the grass in my, in my lawn uh -huh. and I, was working and I was like, I could actually make some money doing this. Like if I go around and ask somebody if they'd be interested for me to, to, to replace their grass. And I was told my mom and she was just like, I don't know how well it's going to work. People might be getting laid off right now. Like they might not want to be changing their grass. So, I mean, I might give it a shot, but that's exactly what you're talking about. You know, suddenly, suddenly it's like, what becomes important? Okay. Yay. Payday. Thank goodness. We're running out of money. we got a big dent in the bumper and a broken taillight. We don't have enough money to, to, to pay for the damages. So our back is starting to hurt from work, which is exactly what I said. And it's only the beginning of the shift. So do we want to submit a worker's comp claim or work to the pain or take the day off? So I know this is a little bit cheat, uh, I guess a bit cheating because I did this before, but if we submit a worker's comp claim, basically the, the owner is just going to laugh at us and be like, well, if you can't do it, somebody else will. If we take the day off with the second job strike and also less pay. I think the only thing we can do is work through the pain, which is, yeah, it's not good. Like we can actually, we can, we can get in some serious trouble. Okay. So one of our coworkers has gotten really sick and because your company doesn't offer sick days, everyone's contributing $20 to help her out. What we company don't. doesn't offer sick days? I, I guess that not, I don't know what the legalities are for work, but hmm. mm. what do we do? Do we help them out? Yeah, let's do it. Help us out later. Okay. Your child sneakers are falling apart and it's time to buy new ones. Name brands are important, but they don't come cheap. Are we buying our kid name brand shoes or are we going to the thrift store? I think the thrift store. I mean, because the thrift right. store has some name brand shoes as well. Obviously not new, but I feel like that's a better option than buying shoes that we can't afford. Oh, no. I'm a big thrift, thrift store fan, so I'm all for it. I actually got this really cool polo that it's like a, you know, a Gators 2006 basketball championship polo. Nice. For like two dollars, it was amazing. Okay, without warning, your landlord has raised your rent effective immediately. When you argue that the increase is illegal, you're told if you don't like it, you can move out. Sheesh, that's pretty aggressive. So I wonder, is are they charging us one hundred and fifty dollars extra plus the eight hundred dollars that we have to pay for rent? 
I think so. That's a lot of money. Should we just find somewhere else? I think so. Like $150 compared to what we're making is not a lot. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. If you move somewhere else, you have to put in a new security deposit. Your kid has a friend over when you hear the telltale sound of the ice cream truck. They both run over to the truck. We're definitely going to buy them ice cream. Yeah, ice cream is cheap. It's not too expensive. It's a cheap luxury. Your mom needs crucial medication, but doesn't have $800. She needs to buy it. It's your mom. Yeah. Um, it's definitely that. Give I feel medication. like you have to give it to her. Your income level qualifies you for food stamps. What do you want to do? Apply. Apply for food stamps, yeah. Perfect. If the programs are available, take it. The good news is that you're approved for benefits. The bad news, they don't begin until next month. I hate those jump, those like kind of loops that you have to jump through. Like obviously if you don't have the necessary things that you need right now, and it's so hard to get the stuff that you need. Okay, so your car's registration is due. It'll cost $250 to get it road legal. I guess we gotta take our chances. Hopefully your car doesn't get taken away. There just doesn't seem like a winning scenario. (laughs) Like worse or worser. Like, I think it's really hard to plan long term when you're worried about short term that's exactly it it's a great way to sum it up it's easier to look for extra ways to make money if you have access to the web but you don't have internet at home since you moved so i was thinking about this one like internet is really important because like yes of course you can use it at the public web i'm sorry the public library but if you have access in your own home maybe you can do start like your own business from your own house find it kind of difficult to do at the public library when you maybe you, you want to, you're working at three o'clock in the morning or something like that at least today i think this is based in 2012 although there still is a lot of opportunity to make money online but so many people build and grow their businesses online today that just having access to the internet like you said can open up so many doors so many opportunities kind of vital which makes me think of you know what's going on right now with COVID 19 and the fact that you know, we talked about this earlier that, you know, there's kids are questioned whether or not they want to be held back simply because, oh, no, no, this wasn't with you. This was with someone else. And someone was telling me that, that they're thinking about holding back kids who, let's say, aren't learning. And basically, it's becoming a war of the haves and the have nots. You know, if you have internet, you have a computer, your child can learn at home. But those who do not have internet or don't have a computer, they might be for, they might be told to stay back a year because they didn't have access to those necessary needs for three months, you know, for the rest of the school year. Actually, wait, you said that we didn't talk about this, right? Because I don't remember talking about this. No, no, no. I think I've, I had talked about it with my boyfriend. He was no, so that's definitely, I didn't hear that. And that's I think, absolutely absurd. I think this is just in Alachua County. Um, what I mean by that is the county that I live in was giving students that didn't have computers, computers, wow. so they could work at home. Wait, they're doing that in Alachua County, you said? My county, Broward. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so I don't think they did that in Alachua County, which I, I don't think they have the funds to do that in Alachua County. Can you imagine being told you have to stay back simply because you didn't have the funds to educate yourself? I mean, that's the... Sad reality. This, that's the reality for, the majority, for a lot of people, and we kind of just take that for granted. Your tooth has been hurting for weeks, and it's starting to get unbearable. You need a root canal, but you don't have dental insurance. Oh my gosh. I thought we had insurance. Didn't we pay for a plan? Yeah, I mean, it was called health insurance. I guess they don't consider that dental insurance. What do you think that's interesting? Like, why are they different? Is that how it works? I don't know, but I think that's something to look into. Well, day 30. Using some numbing gel. Just to get to the next month. We made it through the month with $139. Rent is due tomorrow. Car registration is $350 today to go away. And our dental problem is $800. So you kind of summed it up really well. It's, it's, it's just really choosing between the long-term versus the short-term. And the short-term 
typically is much more important, obviously, because you want to survive another day. It's just a constant battle. And I think that anybody that, like I said in the beginning, that hasn't played this game definitely should really consider your choices and consider your preferences and see how that really affects you. Can you make it through the month? Can you make it through the month? Yeah, yeah. there it is. Which, I mean, we did, but at, at what cost? You know, we can't, who knows if we would make it through another month because I mean, we don't even have enough funds to pay rent. Yeah, we made it through that month, but yet we still owe 11 $135 yeah. to do some stuff that we need to do. That was rough. That was rough. That was an eye opener. So yeah, if you just look up play spent, uh, that will pop up and you will, it takes, it's quick to play. If you're playing it by yourself, it'll be even quicker. I, it took a little bit longer between us two. But yeah, I highly recommend it. It's definitely an eye opener. Or did you learn about that in health disparity in the introduction to health disparities course? Yeah. You, oh, you did it? I did. No, I mean, I did, but I also heard about it in my psychology class. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I originally heard about it from our, uh, from the health disparities course. I don't remember what section as I was looking through the course, but I remember definitely talking about it. Definitely an eye opener then, and it continues to be an eye opener to this day. So we're talking about food insecurity today. And I thought it'd be, you know, quite important to define, um, what, food insecurity is. And so this is from, and we will post all the links later, all the citations, uh, hungerandhealthfeedingamerica.org. And they define food insecurity as a lack of consistent access to enough food for an active, healthy life. So consistently, at a, well, first you need it consistently and you need enough consistently. So you can get it consistently, not even get enough. And then you need to be able to have a healthy, active life. So yeah. what is it? What does it what does it mean to have a healthy active life? You know what? That was exactly my question, um, which kind of led me to the to the idea, which I, I still haven't answered, um, but the idea of what is what is enough? What is is having basically a, like a certain amount of calories, is that enough to be sufficient, is considered healthy? Because but you can get, you know, for example, your two thousand calorie diet, you know, eating burgers from a the dollar meal and Coca-Cola. Well, that's not necessarily healthy. Yeah. So calories versus, you know, this idea of nutrition. Dietitian or, or nutritionist could easily answer that question for us. My gut says that that is not equivalent. Like, I mean, you, the body needs vitamins. It needs different minerals. Um, it needs to use some fruits, vegetables, and whatever it be. From a caloric point of view, like that's how we get our energy. And if we have enough calories, I don't see why we couldn't live or we couldn't survive and, and thrive off that. We'll answer that question later. Yeah, so that's just, you know, something to think about. Um, yeah. So some other thing, other words that I think are important to define is hunger. So once again, this is from uh, feedingamerica.org. They say hunger is, refers to a personal physical sensation of discomfort. You know, and this is comparing to food insecurity, which refers to a lack of available financial resources for food at the household level. So food insecurity and hunger are not necessarily the same, but they're definitely correlated because if you lack the resources to get the necessary food you need, then you can suffer from hunger, which in and of itself, I feel like brings so many issues because if you're hungry, you can't focus at school, which is why there's a lot of like school-based programs, you know, those free, the free breakfast, free lunch to provide students enough, you know, food so that they don't have to think about food, but they can think about their education. So some other words that I wanted to define um or i guess one other word that i want to define is this idea of poverty so i actually got this information from the census census.gov where they kind of describe the process of how do you calculate poverty uh how the census specifically calculates poverty 
So basically what they do is they calculate all the income that you could get before taxes, and then they base it off one of 48 uh, possible poverty thresholds, such as varying by the size of the family, the age of the members, and it's not based on geography. Um, and right. so these thresholds are updated annually because of, uh, you know, to uh, ac accommodate inflation using the consumer price index for all urban consumers or the CPIU. And one of the one of the bullet points it says here, it says, although the thresholds in some sense reflect the family's needs, they are intended for use as a statistical yardstick. And that is a complete description of what family of what, of what people and families need to live. So I think that's an important point every family has different needs and the needs of one family might not necessarily be the needs of another family something to think about yeah so if they know that how can they determine that's just a lot to unravel because there's not i mean i feel like there actually would be just pure amount like the amount of food that we're producing around the world today but people need to make money and that's their job but who are they to determine who deserves financial aid like for food, like for SNAP or for WIC, which we'll get into later. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the last step of this process, which I think is interesting. It says compare families' total income with the poverty threshold. So what they do is they divide income by threshold, based, you know, the threshold for poverty, and they get a number. It says the difference in dollars between the family's income and the family's poverty threshold is called the income deficit for families in poverty or income surplus for families above poverty. So kind of my question is, okay, obviously there's a line, there's a poverty line, um, especially it's talked about in our health disparities courses, but what do you do if you're like on the border of being on that line? You, you don't, you know, have access to any of the benefits, yet it's, you're not sustainable on your own. I don't know. That's something that, I, that I've been thinking about lately. Kind of haunts me. So do you think maybe some people try to find ways to get below the poverty line in some ways to make their application more desirable to get that aid? So I don't know about that, but I know that there is this kind of very ugly cycle. And this is coming just from things that I've heard. So this is not, you know, anything that I've researched re recently. There's some people that, for example, let's say they're getting benefits from the government um, because of their status, but then they want to start working. But because they start working and they start making money, then that, that kicks them off those benefits. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. So, like, there's no, there's no winning. Either you lose all your benefits and you stay poor. And, yeah, or I, so either you keep all the benefits and you stay poor by not having, I guess, that income, or you can get the income, lose all your benefits, and still be in a pretty bad position. But once again, this is any, this is, this is just, you know, stuff that we've talked about in the classes, nothing that I have like citations for. Yeah, but. that's a good point. Poverty in itself just creates a cycle like we were talking about the long-term and short-term stuff with, with spend. If you go long-term, long-term, which is the right way, I think, to think about it, like life financially, a better way, because you're, you're looking ahead then you're just going to start having potholes in the short term because you're looking far ahead, you know, so things are going to start breaking down. You're going to have to start paying for medical bills. You're going to have a lot of bills just pile up it's just because you looked at long term. So then you just start looking short term and you're afraid about the long term. So it's just that, that cycle you're talking about. So, okay. I do want to correct myself from something I said before. Um, so I mentioned, you know, kind of that idea between expenses um, sorry, for benefits versus getting a paycheck. So when I was reading um, about certain uh, governmental programs that we have here in Florida, there is kind of an income. Like if you make less than this amount of money, then you apply for, then you can uh, get these benefits. So per individual? what per individual, I, once again, I think it's dependent on family. Okay. Um, for the WIC program or for, um, it's no longer called food stamps. Let me pull it up. 
What? Snap. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, like these programs of WIC and SNAP that do have kind of like an income uh, threshold. So if you're like make below a certain amount, then you qualify for these programs. And uh, so SNAP and WIC are these federal programs that provide these low income families with a means to get food to avoid hunger. And SNAP stands for Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. And WIC, okay, women's, women, women's, women, infants, and children. We also have the National School Lunch Program and local food banks. And these are all basically geared to avoid hunger and, and provide assistance to these families that are below the poverty line, right? So I'm not sure if these programs are nationwide or they're just specifically in Florida because um, I specifically looked in Florida. I think there might be different programs maybe around the country, but these are the ones that I found specific to Florida. Okay. Let me sense. just pull it up just to be sure. So on this link, it says Americans, Florida, specifically think, in Florida. Wait, what specific with Florida? I think okay. SNAP is a federal thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a United States. Yeah, yeah. State. So that we read was federal. So when I clicked, so when I clicked the link, it says what works. So basically answering the question, what are we doing? It says the programs that are effective at reducing food insecurity by providing either food, uh, cash or food assistance to those in need include SNAP, WIC, NSLP, and food bank. I don't know which ones are federal and which ones are cover, which ones are uh, statewide. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing too, that a lot of like these regulations and policies can differ from state to state. So if I were to live in Florida and I, and I find a, a position where I'm comfortable, not necessarily comfortable, I think that's the wrong word to use, but I'm receiving this assistance from the government and I find, um, I guess, I, I guess comfortable is fine here to use it, but I get comfortable with the way they're providing assistance. And then I move to say Georgia and the assistance there is completely different and I have to adjust completely. That's, in, that's an interesting thing to look at. Um, so I'm going to just Google it real quick. I'm not sure if there's, I, I really don't know. I, cause I specifically clicked on Florida when I clicked that link. Um, I'm just going to do a quick Google search to see if there's other programs or maybe I should just do federal programs, federal programs for food insecurity. Let's see what shows up. Yeah. So there's a lot of different programs. I think those ones were specific to Florida. Because um, here you have the hunger and food security security programs. You have different grant program. Yeah, so these are like different grant programs that we didn't hear about. You have the Community Food and Security Coalition, the SARE, which is the Sustainable Agriculture Research and Education. So I'm not 100% sure. We'll just keep that out. We'll just make sure to mention these are programs. And we'll figure out when we start doing the interviews, we'll introduce, you know, which ones are which. Yeah, and I'm sure that they, the people that we interview will be aware of different programs in their kind of roles specific uh yeah state or county or whatever it be although it's probably the same state um, from county to county um so that's great yeah thanks for getting all those definitions and stuff and all the citations so here looking at some um statistics that i pulled out about the different programs um to fill that uh food insecurity need in florida at least um, so SNAP is definitely federal, and the people who are eligible have to make less than $2,633 a month to receive benefits. Andrea, how, who, what populations are affected by the different terms we just used and, 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 these, and the poverty thresholds and things like that and food that's, security in general? That's a good question, Anthony. Um, so once again, this is data that I got from uh, feedinginamerica.org, hunger and health. Uh, dot feedinginamerica.org 
Some of the populations or these vulnerable populations include seniors, children, rural communities, African Americans, and Latinos. Mm. So these these are the populations that are most affected by food inequalities, according to the website. Yeah, so we see the minorities. I th- really think I think it's interesting that it says children because it's not like children can pay for themselves or not work. They should be in school. If anything, a topic that I think really relates to food insecurity, and if we're talking about healthcare professionals and, and medicine is lifestyle medicine. So if I am unable to get access to the right foods, uh, like we talked about with caloric requirements, where does that put me on on the realm of healthy and not healthy? Am I um, am I putting myself at risk for say diabetes or or hypertension and related to poor nutrition, uh, whatever that uh, that means really. So what do you, th- what, what comes to mind when you think about lifestyle medicine, Andrea? When I think of lifestyle medicine, I think of it as kind of the medicine, like... The medicine we should practice. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, yeah. The medicine I think that guides us, you know, uh, in terms of, it explains kind of what's good and what's bad in terms of a primary care perspective, like what things should we be consuming or wait, maybe what, ex- like how much exercise should we be doing to maintain a healthy lifestyle? And when you bring up exercise and we're talking about poverty and, and food insecurity, I think exercise is, is something that we can control. Um, not, not a lot of people have the time of day to do it uh, because they're so, they're in the cycle of constantly just trying to survive each hour every day, every week. And so their mind isn't really focused on exercise, but I think controlling what you can control is extremely important. And I think that we all have a body that we can move and we can try to move in different ways, whether it be limited or non-limited. So it's just raising your arms or running a marathon. One's harder than another, but I'm still getting movement. I'm still able to move my body. And I think that's really important when we talk about lifestyle medicine and these communities that are food insecure, that are victims of health disparities and are, and are falling through the cracks of the healthcare system. So what do you think about geography? So you mentioned in terms of exercise, uh, in terms of like maybe people don't have time. What if people don't have a safe place to exercise? Like maybe there's some people who can't walk outside. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. And I haven't been in that predicament and I'm very fortunate to have been in that predicament but I think that that can definitely be a barrier. And the more barriers there are something, the harder it is, as we all know. Like I said, you could, I guess you could do it in your room, right? Like, right. If you, so what if you don't have a bed? Like, what if you don't have your own room? I think it's this idea of maybe, you know, how do we adapt to create a, lo- a healthy lifestyle with the barriers that we have? Yeah. And it's all, it's all ultimately up to the people around you and the people that can maybe provide you um maybe just spark a fire under you to maybe be interested in taking that leap of faith and 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 really working on yourself and controlling what you can so if i'm a healthcare professional and i'm seeing this patient for the first time and maybe take a mobile outreach clinic kind of stuff like we see in um uh, gainesville me maybe just mentioning the idea could be the difference you know just talking about and having that conversation Right. So maybe even education is really education awareness uh, seems to also be a really important point. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I definitely think, you know, the topic of, you know, lifestyle medicine is 
really important. Is lifestyle medicine something that you're thinking of practicing when you hopefully in, in the future practice medicine? I mean, when you in the future practice medicine? Yeah, I actually had a friend the other day, actually, sorry, not the other day, yesterday. He asked me if I was um, looking into going to DO school. And I honestly haven't even considered it just because I know it's geared more towards lifestyle medicine, if, I, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. So I need to look into that more, but it's something I'm considering. We, we have a lot of things to consider, but we'll, we'll jump over that or we'll face that, that barrier once we get there, you know? Of course. Until then, we're going to be making these podcasts. Yes, we are. <laughs> I feel, you know, the more we learn, uh, the more we can better take care of our patient and better understand our patients. Yeah, and put yourself in a predicament to do that, for sure. So thank you for listening um, to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. It was an uh, introduction to our the first season we're going to be doing. So please bear with us. Um, we're still trying to figure out how to, I guess, conversate while we record and understand that people are going to be listening. So, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a challenge, but I'm super yeah. excited. And we're hoping to have an introduction to a series focused on a specific topic or a broad range of topics. And we have decided that we would like to end our podcast with a question or for you guys. Okay, so now that you are aware of food insecurity, what is something that you could do in your community to help those facing food insecurity? And this can include, you know, just simply educating yourself or reaching out maybe to your local food banks or soup kitchens and seeing if you uh, can volunteer there. Yeah, you don't have to go, you don't have to hit a home run and volunteering or, or helping people out in the community. A little bit does go a long way. And if we all play our part, then big changes can happen. Yeah, action speaks a lot louder than words. Thank you again for listening. So I'm Andrea Marciano. And I'm Anthony Avila. Thank you for listening to our podcast and be ready for more to come.